transmitting live from the heart of Times Square on 99.5 FM, WBAI New York, Pacifica Radio for the Tri-State Area, this is Trump Watch, a weekly series examining how President Donald J. Trump and his administration are changing the world we live in. I'm your host, Jesse Lent. When I think of how we should apply the Endangered Species Act and how we should have properly implemented. I say we need to stay as close as possible in the orange. We have to be true to the facts. We have to be true to the law. And we have to use um, policy views that are grounded in the context of what the act says. Now, what's interesting about the law is in many instances it doesn't explain a lot about the how. And it is in those areas where Congress has left the how to us that we have some room uh, to interpret the statute and, 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 and perhaps really frame uh, innovative approaches. That was U.S. Secretary of the Interior David Bernhardt speaking at a Heritage Foundation event back in September, footage courtesy of C-SPAN. Bernhardt, an oil industry lobbyist and government administrator, was Deputy Secretary of the Interior at the time he gave the speech entitled Improving the Implementation of the Endangered Species Act and featuring a PowerPoint presentation with a Venn diagram that had three categories, law, facts-slash-data, and policy-discretion-slash-judgment. To broadly summarize his remarks at the event, Bernhardt called for a complete reimagining of the legal definitions of the Endangered Species Act, the landmark 1973 law that saved the bald eagle, the California condor, the grizzly bear, and three dozen other animal species from extinction, and currently offers protections for 1,600 threatened animal species in the U.S. Less than a year later, the Secretary of the Interior appears to have gotten his wish. On Monday, as reported by Politico and others, the Trump administration announced plans to change how it implements the Endangered Species Act, weakening protections that environmentalists say violate the law and make it easier for oil companies, real estate interests, and the agriculture industry to develop land inhabited by vulnerable wildlife. Hello and welcome to Trump Watch. Here to help us understand what this revised interpretation of the Endangered Species Act will mean for threatened animal species is Ben Lefebvre, energy reporter for Politico and author of the article I just quoted, Trump Administration Eases Endangered Species Rules. Hello, Ben. Welcome to Trump Watch. Thanks so much for taking some time with us today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm not sure if you could hear Secretary of the Interior Bernhardt's remarks that we the remarks we just played, but do you see a correlation between his 2018 speech or other remarks he's made calling for a reinterpretation of the Endangered Species Act and what's now happening to the law? Oh, yeah, there's definitely a through line. I mean, uh, Bernhardt's been working on, um, working, you know, he had been a lawyer at a lobbying firm in D.C., and uh, at that job he had represented uh, a number of companies uh, out west that had endangered species issues. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of federal land out west, and um, he, from what he said, you know, in that speech you played, 
his take has been that the Endangered Species Act isn't working correctly, and they need to uh, revise the, the you know how Interior implements it to you know have the law work more transparently or more uh, you know to a different standard. Before we get into the specifics of Monday's announcement, can you describe the role that the Endangered Species Act has played over the last 46 years in enforcing federal environmental policy in the 50 states? Yeah, um, the Endangered Species Act is it's often called one of the bedrock laws of America's uh, conservation law, uh, you know, laws. Um, it was originally uh, the reason that the bald eagle had come back from, you know, almost disappearing. Um, it, you know, it was also, as you mentioned, a big reason that uh, grizzly bear populations have come back. Uh, right now, there's, you know, over uh, more than 200 species listed on the uh, list of uh, endangered species that are supposed to get protections under the law. So it's been, you know, it, it, it's been one of the laws that, you know, has been around almost as long as the U.S., you know, uh, you know environmental movement. And presumably once the states begin to see the effect of the law, is also when the oil and gas companies were uh, less than pleased about its existence. Who are the major players lining up now to attempt to weaken endangered species protection in America? It's not just the oil and gas companies, even though that's a you know, major part of it. There's also um, agricultural uh, companies that are looking to expand uh, home developers were, you know, a, a big sector who were looking for, you know, trying to push back Endangered Species Act regulations. Uh, but oil and gas ones felt the most. There's a large, uh, there's a big fight over a species called the uh, sage grouse uh, that appears in uh, land, I believe it's in West Texas, um, that oil and gas developers would like to start, you know, drilling in that land. But uh, because of the uh, sage grouse being on the endangered species list, it um, you know they they can't the habitat's protected, but they can't they can't drill there. Uh, there's also um, you know a lizard that's you know uh, burying beetles that are also on the list that kind of block oil and gas companies from drilling in in certain areas. Where do you believe the political will to rethink the Endangered Species Act is coming from? Is it the Secretary of the Interior who really wants this, uh, as his past statements would seem to imply, or is this a more broadly supported move within the Trump administration? I think the the broadly supported move under the Trump administration is to uh, expand oil and gas drilling uh, by by, any means necessary. I think where Bernhardt comes in is here's a person who had a lot of experience with the Endangered Species Act um, and who's well-connected in the oil gas industry from his past lobbying uh, career, or, you know, working at a lobbying firm, um, that I think they saw this as a way to, you know, kind of tie the two together. So I, while I don't, are, I don't think there are many people in the White House who, you know, are giving deep thoughts about the Endangered Species Act per se, um, you know, they're kind of the prime mover for anything that'll, you know, help the oil and gas industry. And, and Bernhardt's take on the Endangered Species Act could do that. Okay, let's get to the Trump administration's announcement on Monday. You include the official statement from Interior Secretary Bernhardt in your article, which says, quoting now, the best way to uphold the Endangered Species Act is to do everything we can to ensure it remains effective in achieving its ultimate goal, recovery of our rarest species. The act's effectiveness rests on clear, consistent, and and efficient implementation 
this is one clear departure from the past. It sure sounds like a lot of species will be left behind if only the so-called rarest animals are included. Do you have any sense of what that would look like? Yeah, one of the changes they made was um, in the past, uh, if a species was deemed threatened, which is kind of a step below endangered, it would still get all the protections of an endangered species. The thinking, you know, thinking was basically, uh, let's give it the full protections we can now so it doesn't become endangered. Um, they're no longer going to do that. So the thinking among environmental groups I talked to would, will be that if the interior decides to list any more species, which they may not, they may just list them as threatened, um, and then they, you know, they get the, you know, they say that they're still using the Endangered Species Act, but they're not actually giving it the full protections they would have in the past. So that's that's you know one of the things that could happen is you might just see a you know parade of species listed as threatened, but not much done to protect them or you know not given the full protections they may have. Um, <clears throat> another um, change would be to um, if there is habitat that a species might need uh, to inhabit, you know, as it, the, the numbers rebound, you know, uh, in the past that habitat may have been set aside or, you know, protected, whereas now that may not happen. And so you're saying basically they're not going to, you know, they're, they're going to take a tougher look at whether to uh, designate a, a habitat is, as protected. So what you might also see is that even if a species is listed as threatened, it's the habitat that it would need to rebound won't be protected, and therefore, it's again, you know, it's not going to get the full protection. Right. To bear down on that a little bit, this is the idea that you would protect habitats where there are populations of the protected or endangered animal, but not other areas where this animal could be and could work as a habitat or where they may be spreading into unless they're already there. Am I getting that right? Correct. I mean... Some habitats had been protected because the species had been there before the numbers, you know, fell. Another, you know, uh, uh, knock-up effect of that may be that, you know, if you have a species that are endangered by climate change uh, because of, you know, um, you know, the coastline disappearing in some cases or becoming too arid, if a species has to move to in order to survive, you know, there may not be a habitat protected where it could move into. The Endangered Species Act was signed into law with bipartisan support by Richard Nixon in 1973, a Republican, but this appears to have since become a bipartisan issue. Can you explain some of the ways that uh, Republican lawmakers are justifying a reevaluation of the Endangered Species Protection Act? Yeah, some Republicans, <clears throat> for example, we saw uh, Senator John Barrasso over in Wyoming come out and say that the Interior Department's changes didn't go far enough. Some Republicans, mainly in Western states um, that have energy development going on, um, basically want a much faster um, time frame for processing species, whether they're going to be listed or not, or unlisted from the Endangered Species Act. So basically, if, you know, or to make it, you know, a higher hurdle for a species to be listed, so basically, there's you know easier for people to you know if a developer wants some land, if there's a species there that someone is complaining needs protections, um, they can kind of process it quickly, and therefore the, the you know decision can be made more quickly whether to you know protect that habitat, which I guess they're hoping would lead to a you know decision not to list it. So how do you see this fight playing out in the courts, and if so? 
What kind of environmental effect can this have in the short term while the legal challenges like the one several Democratic state attorneys general have promised, for example, make their way through the courts? Generally, what's going on with these court cases against uh, uh, Trump uh, regulatory rollbacks and environmental laws are the groups are filing a lawsuit as soon as they can and asking judges to block implementations of the rollbacks while the case proceeds. And for a case like this where, um, you know, the law will probably technically take effect next month, you know, you can expect to see lawsuits right after, then it becomes a game of either the court, uh, you know, decides for the plaintiffs and, and uh, tells Interior they have to go back and, you know, do this all over again, or you just try to basically run the clock and hope that if there's a change in administrations uh, in 2020, uh, whoever is running the Interior Department then decides they will no longer defend the case. We've seen that happen a few times with uh, Trump's Interior Department basically dropping cases that uh, oil uh, you know, companies brought against Obama-era regulations that were still in court. So that's, that's basically two ways this could play out. Do you have any sense of the time frame that we're looking at for those legal challenges? Oh, I think it'll happen as soon as the case becomes, or I mean, as soon as the um, um, uh, new regulations go into effect, which I said should be in about a month or so. I think it's a month or 60 days, one or two months. Um, and then you'll see, as you mentioned, California Attorney General uh, Xavier Becerra and uh, Massachusetts Attorney General Mara Healy and probably a few others um, filing lawsuits saying that the administration uh, violated a few regulations, like one's called the Administrative Procedure Act, which is basically the guidebook on how you're supposed to uh, create new rules. Um, they're going to probably argue that Interior didn't listen to enough comments, you know, uh, people on the new rules uh, during the public comment period. Or they'll say they violate the rule, the Endangered Species Act itself because um, the what they're proposing or, you know, what they're saying they're going to do now in implementing it actually goes against the spirit of the law. So you'll probably see lawsuits drop, you know, you know, by, you know, within the next few months. I believe that New York's Attorney General Letitia James is also uh, another Democratic Attorney General who has pledged to join that fight. Yeah, and in um, Massachusetts Attorney General Maura Healey said more states would join in, and I, I would not be surprised to see New York, uh, you know, add its name to the list of plaintiffs. It's, you know, you're, you're seeing with these um, Trump-era regulatory rollbacks in the environment, almost a red state, you know, attorney general versus blue state attorney generals on implementing these things. So you'll probably see a few more line up and say, you know, the Endangered Species Act has helped protect habitat. It's, you know, and in some of these cases, you could argue, you know, it's helped promote, um, you know, uh, tourism uh, because, you know, you have more protected areas. Uh, so, you know, some states taking it very seriously and, and you know, want, want to, you know, take these uh, changes to court. I'm speaking with Ben Lefebvre, author of the August 12th Politico article, Trump Administration Eases Endangered Species Rules. You're listening to Trump Watch. My name is Jesse Lent. Ben, we've mostly been talking about the immediate term effects of uh, this reinterpretation of the Endangered Species Act that the Trump administration announced was going to go down uh, on Monday or will will happen uh, in the near future, should I say. In fact, when do these new, uh, when does this new reevaluation actually go into effect? Um, they'll, they'll start going into effect, like I said, in the next uh, few months. 
They've actually been considering this uh, since July 2018. Um, so it took them, you know, over a year to uh, devise these new rules, which is um, kind of shows that they weren't exactly sure how to tackle this. I think this administration knows that, um, especially with, with Bernhardt's uh, former career, you know, as a lawyer, that any changes to these laws are going to be challenged in the courtroom. And I think they try to take a little bit extra care to see how, how far they could, you know, change things and still hopefully kind of, you know, uh, pass the, uh, you know, the view of the law. So looking more long-term, is there anything that can happen without the courts uh, that, or, or anything about this action that could affect environmental policy in any profound or long-lasting way, assuming there is a Democratic president, particularly in the next two years? Um, if there is a uh, Democratic president, probably, it's less likely these changes would have any long-term effect for the reasons I mentioned before. They could just, you know, drop the lawsuit and never actually enforce the changes um, as they go about, you know, um, repealing the, or I'm sorry, uh, like rolling back the rollbacks, which I think is going to be something we will see if there is a, a Democratic administration. You'll see many of the Trump-era rollbacks, you know, roll back. Uh, so with the Endangered Species Act, um, still, though, you know, environmental groups will say that any changes that get acted upon um, are coming at the worst possible time for many species. You may have saw the U.N. report uh, saying that, you know, within the next decade or so, uh, about a million species are, in, you know, are, are, you know, in danger of becoming endangered. So if the protections are uh, not given to these species that might need it, uh, you know, even in the short term, that can have a pretty, you know, bad effect on their numbers. The, I guess, good news for endangered species that are already listed as endangered the, the, the new rules don't affect them at all. It's only for species that would be listed going forward. Right. Back in May, this is when the, the UN released this report you're referring to. And among those million species uh, now at the risk of extinction were U.S. animal populations like gray wolves or polar bears. How much of an effect can we expect this reinterpretation of the Endangered Species Act to have on those animal populations most at risk right now? Um, the new changes, probably not much as long as the animals are already listed, which I imagine I think the polar bear is. Um, but again, it's, it's, it, it'll, it's still going to play out in the courts for a while. If there's a change in administration, this probably won't have too much effect. If there isn't a change, if, if we're going to have a second Trump administration, yeah, then definitely these rules... By not being, or by you know, uh, you know, probably not, they're not going to see a huge uptick in new species being added to the endangered list. You know, as, as we mentioned, so then it could have a pretty profound effect by not giving protections to animals that you know may, may be losing habitat because of you know disappearing coastline along Louisiana or you know more droughts in Texas or, or what have you. So that's going to you know definitely have a bigger effect on protecting species that may soon have to go on the endangered list, not so much ones that are already there. That's such a critical point. What is the rate of new animals added to the Endangered Species Act? It would seem like, at least in more heavily populated areas, we would have some sense of this by now. Yeah, that, you know, under the under previous administrations, um, species, you know, different species were um, offered as candidates for, you know, to be listed as threatened or endangered you know, fairly regularly. Um, but as I was looking through, um, you know, which animals have been added when, 
uh, to the endangered species rule. This administration currently has not, I don't think they've added anything. Uh, as far as I could tell, like the last uh, species to be nominated to be on the list, like was in 2016. And that's so, just to be nominated. Yeah, exactly. It's not even having gone through the process. Um, so this administration, as I mentioned, seems to have been taking a completely hands-off approach to it. And with these new rule changes, again, you know, you may see them announce, you know, for, you know, I don't know, uh, PR, you know, purposes that they may list something as a threatened species. But because of the rule changes, it doesn't mean as much as it may have in the past. It's been a long-running narrative that the president has been losing a lot of suburban women from his racially charged remarks and more polarizing behavior in general. There was that report in the AP last week. Do you see a risk for this president in rethinking a bit of legislation that is so broadly approved of by the public at least according to a 2018 Ohio State University study, 83% of Americans support uh, th- this act, uh, the the Endangered Species Act. And that number obviously includes a large number of conservative voters. Yeah. Um, one thing, okay, this administration has been <laughs> obviously um, not concerned about its environmental record too much. But I, I was curious to see, I think it was last month or maybe it was two months ago, that they tried to have a uh, White House kind of presentation where they brought in the head of the EPA and Interior to tout, you know, its environmental record. And what caught me is kind of curious is, A, that they felt the need to do this. So I thought, you know, these guys may be now realizing that the polling uh, is not going, you know, they're taking a hit in the polls because of their environmental record. They feel like they need to do something about it. But even then, that uh, White House event, they ended up talking about their energy you know, legislation more than anything else. So I think they don't really know how to talk the talk, even if they don't particularly want to walk the walk. Um, so I, I think they do recognize that you know, voters care about environmental issues, but I think they're just not sure how to, to go about kind of you know, taking care of that. Right. At a speech last year, President Trump... Uh, made the statement that they used to think it was impossible to both, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, but both in, in make the economy grow and to still preserve uh, the environment. And we've shown that that's possible. Uh, is that still the official yeah. line they're going with? Yeah, that's still the official line. I know that drives uh, people who worked in previous administrations, not just the Obama administration, but like you know previous Bush administrations nuts, because that's a line that basically every administration has given. Um, but with, you know, the Trump administration, they try to sound, make it sound like this is a new thing to us. Um, and, you know, right now, uh, as you may have been seeing with, out of the financial news, uh, they might not be getting either of those. <laughs> so um, with the economic worries and a poor environmental, you know, regulatory record, um, I, I wonder, if, you know, what their next act is going to be on the environmental front. If this act is so widely popular and could potentially uh, give the president a a negative approval with the swing voters and uh, the so-called suburban women we've been talking about, uh, do you have any sense of why they're doing this now? Uh, Is this a give back for rich donors from the energy and agricultural sector, or is that being too cynical? Um, I... I would almost want to say it's too cynical, but uh, like I mentioned before, um, given Bernhardt's um, previous experience 
um, at the lobbying firm representing, you know, oil and gas companies and agricultural companies, you know, and being involved in California water politics. And, and you know, and just from people I've talked to who've known him, the ESA has been something that he's, you know, um, had on his mind for a while. So I, I think that it's something that the, um, you know, different industries would like to see a softer ESA. Um, and, again, I, whether the White House, you know, had the ESA on their, you know, to-do list from the beginning, I don't know. Um, but I know that as soon as, you know, uh, Bernhardt became Deputy Secretary, it was something that Interior was considering changing, you know, the way they implemented. Please correct me if you disagree with this, but this particular strategy seems like a bit of a departure. The idea that we're not actually changing the law, we're simply changing the way that we interpret it. Are there any other major bits of environmental legislation that you're watching or think could be reinterpreted in the same way as we're seeing here with the Endangered Species Act? Uh, I know that the administration has wanted to make some changes to the National Environmental uh, Policy Act, um, but because of the nature of these things, I mean, only Congress can change a law, right? So they can only really tinker with how they implement it. So that's basically what they're doing. And, you know, we one of the reasons I think they went about it this way with the ESA is generally Congress doesn't want to go tinker with the Environmental Species Act. I mean, as you mentioned, it's broadly popular. Um, you know, any attempts to open it up to change it would bring, you know, um, uh, you know, different, you know, lawmakers bringing their own ideas how to change it. So you have to deal with Democrats who may want to strengthen things as well as Republicans who may want to weaken things. So, you know, Congress just generally would prefer to kind of keep the hood on and, you know, no tinkering with the motor. But So when you see that the, uh, this administration, which has been touting its, you know, uh, quote-unquote energy dominance, you know, uh, policy, they the only thing they have open to them is to really change the way that um, they, they steer things. So if you want to, you know, think of a metaphor, it's basically Congress won't let them touch the motor the administration can only really change the steering, you know, what they do with the steering wheel. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Ben Lefebvre, an energy reporter for Politico and author of the August 12th Politico article, Trump Administration Eases Endangered Species Rules. You're listening to Trump Watch. My name is Jesse Lent. And that's all for this week. Reggie Johnson engineered this program live. You can hear all 124 episodes of Trump Watch with Jesse Lent at soundcloud.com slash trumpwatchwbai or wherever you get your podcasts. Join us again next week when we'll break down a different aspect of the Donald Trump administration. Until then, I'm your host, Jesse Lent. Talk to you next time. Talk to you next time.